Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. For the 17th time this year, we are here to preview a Miami Dolphins football game. Joining me, Joshua Houts, Brian. You can find him on Twitter at BrianCatNFL. Gentlemen, it all comes down to this. Yes. And uh, the question is, uh, it does come down to this. Um, And I remember uh, the night of uh, December 11th uh, when the Dolphins were about to uh, go, what, 10-4 and against the Titans, three minutes left in the game. Uh, and the bills at the time were 500 and never did. I think 27 days later, the dolphins would be playing the bills with the dolphins as underdogs at, at hard rock stadium. But the other side of that is it all goes away and nothing really changes from that Titans game. If the dolphins end up getting that two seed. And that's what we're all hoping for, right? I mean, last week we were sitting here talking about how this was one of the most important games we've had in, you know, 20 years. And now we're sitting here again, Buffalo Bills at home. Uh, Josh Allen's been a world beater against us. So it all comes down to this. And I'm just happy to be able to come on here. And, you know, we're in the we're, we're in the playoffs. We're not in the hunt anymore, Jake. We've upgraded. We're now in the playoffs. And um, I, I just hope they go out there and and do what we hope they can do against a very, very good Buffalo Bills team. It's crazy to think that the Dolphins aren't even favored. The last game of the NFL season at Hard Rock Stadium. So, Cap, first and foremost, your first instinct tells you why are the Dolphins not favored at home? Yeah, I thought it would be at least be a pickup game, um, a pick'em game, but that's not the case here. And look, the the Bills, you, you, there's no hotter team in the NFL right now. You know, they were six and six four weeks ago, and now they they're second, third, fourth in power rankings now, and and you know. When you take a look at them winning over the Chiefs, winning over the Cowboys, uh, and last two weeks haven't been quite as impressive, but they've won four in a row now. And Josh Allen career is, it, it doesn't seem to matter where he is. He's, he's got some ups and downs throughout the season, but it just doesn't seem to matter who's coach, how well the Bills are doing, how well the Dolphins are doing. He, he's just had the, the Dolphins number. So maybe that factors into it as well. And if we're being honest, I mean, I think those two losses, one, I think he underthrew Charles Clay, like his rookie year in the end zone or something like that. And then um, the one I always love to throw was fourth and goal, and he skipped a rock. How dare you remind her of that? Even the kids missed. Yeah, skipped a rock at the goal line. So, I mean, honestly, um, besides those two little mistakes, the Dolphins could be uh, winless against Josh Allen. But um, it's just, again, a testament to how well he's grown throughout his career. And, um, again, you mentioned no matter who's the coach, they just find a way to beat the Dolphins. And um, something's got to change. It has to change because you're not going to be able to continue to compete in the AFC East without dethroning Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Xavier Howard, he won't be playing this game due to a foot injury. He's considered week to week. Hopefully with a little luck, he'll be back for the first round of the playoffs. Bradley Chubb done for the season. We already know that. Um, 
who do we think is going to be that first and foremost X factor on defense in order to stop someone like Josh Allen? I think that Patriots game last week was so, so crazy where I think uh, Josh Allen had two touchdowns and like two completions just because they were running the football so much. So when you see how these bills have kind of struggled to pass the football of late, Stefan Diggs has kind of been MIA. Do you think that this is the game they turn back around and say, all right, it's time to air it out considering Miami's uh, injuries in the secondary? Yeah, maybe. Uh, What's interesting about the Bills passing attack is, you know, early in the season when when the Dolphins played the Bills, Josh Allen was coming off two games where he was just rolling. They scored 75 points in the previous two games. uh, And Allen came in and just continued that against the Dolphins and then fell off a cliff. Then Ken Dorsey's fired. And ever since they promoted Joe Brady to offensive coordinator, Really, James Cook has been the star of the show. So it's a completely different thing. I mean, Stefan Diggs, you look on the year, has 100 catches over 1,100 yards. But you look at the last seven games, he's had over 48 yards in just one of his last seven games. Now, now that I've said that, um, hopefully that doesn't come back to bite us. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not as explosive as a Bills offense as it was earlier in the year, at least heading into this game. Yeah, and I think the the biggest change, and you mentioned it, right, uh, the, the rushing attack with James Cook. I think today uh, Vic Fangio came out and said that might be the best running back they've had since Thurman Thomas, and um, he's a little bit of a mix of speed. He can run between the tackles. And to me, I just continue to see Duke Riley trailing, uh, was it Gus Edwards or uh, Justice Hill last week? I mean, James Cook got a different type of speed, so um, they got to fix that real quick. I know Anthony Campanell took uh, – blame for that said you don't blame the soldiers you blame the generals which was an awesome quote but um for me it's just getting pressure on josh allen containing him like jake said but you asked who might be the star jake of this defense and i know you were talking about maybe spying josh allen but to me you got it and we talked about it the last time with cat you have to use jalen ramsey to spy stefan diggs because that last time he had three touchdowns six catches absolutely went ballistic and um we've seen it week after week i mean cd lamb they contained a little bit but um you want to have jalen ramsey against stefan diggs and arguably the biggest matchup of the week that's just my opinion i think you guys both agree with that what do you think do you feel that there's like a point where at least in year one i i think there's one like perspective is so hard in the nfl when there's one game a week but at least in year one do we feel like the miami dolphins have kind of suffered from the complexity of their defense a little bit i look at the titans game i look at what happened against the ravens i look at hard knocks the other night where there was a dinner among the safeties and, and javon holland was talking about after i think it was after that bills game where you know he's like we heard everyone saying that you know the defense sucks and he said nah man we were just like figuring out the scheme trying to understand things is that a scenario where we see Duke Riley and this defense getting um, gashed so badly because they're still trying to understand things and maybe they're making things a little more complicated or is this defense uh, concerned? Well, it, I mean, it comes down to miscommunication as far as I'm concerned is, and and it's odd because this should be a very straightforward, simple defense. And I I understand it gets complicated when you play Lamar Jackson on the road. Um, But you, you take a look at that, that's Zay Flowers catch from last week 78 yards on the on the all 22 you're going to see Javon Holland and and I mean Zay Flowers just you know he he goes in motion just like Tyreek Hill does he runs right up the sideline and Eli Apple and Javon Holland just stand there like I I don't get it Uh, or excuse me uh Eli Apple and and Deshaun Elliott just stand there so it's it it shouldn't be that that complicated Uh, but when you look at the NFL this year and you look at the Dolphins defense overall the Dolphins lead the league in sacks. They've been overall really good over the last two months. 
But you take a look at two games in particular um, against Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Look, I tweeted about this earlier. There, there have been 512 NFL games played this year, and only four of them has a quarterback had a quarterback rating of 158.3, which is perfect. Two of them were Lamar Jackson against the Dolphins and Josh Allen against the Dolphins. They go through these stretches, and we saw at the end of the Titans game where the defense goes from being a great unit to a unit that that literally can't do anything. Do you think there's like a level of um, high, low ceiling, excuse me, low floor, high ceiling there where it's a defense that can look really bad with minimal effort and maybe some confusion, but the second you are fully invested is when it, you see it absolutely shine? I mean, you, everything went wrong against the Ravens. I, they weren't getting any push up front. They didn't have the edge rushers. Uh, David Long and Duke Riley had uh, what can only be described as the worst game from an off-ball linebacker tandem I've ever seen. Um, and I'm, I'm really regretting and embarrassed. A couple weeks ago, I asked, would you take Jerome Baker or Duke Riley straight up? We've got our answer to that question. Hopefully, Baker comes back this game. Um, and, yeah, you're not going to have Xavier Howard in this game. And it's it's time for Cater Kohu here, who's just been wretched the last couple of games to to step up. Um, and we know he was trampled by by Stefan Diggs in the last game. So there, there's a lot of a lot of improvements that that need to be made. And I wonder if the Dolphins are going to be able to do it on defense without their edge, which without both of their edge rushers. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we Jake kind of opened it up with. You know, why are the Dolphins, you, do you think the Bills are favored in this one? It has to be injuries, right? I mean, the Dolphins are absolutely depleted on the uh, defensive side of the football. You mentioned the miscommunication. How much of that was Eli Apple just getting thrown out there with, you know, limited reps? But everyone wants Cam Smith out there who would probably be doing the exact same thing. So the Dolphins are stuck in a rock and a hard place. You're not going to have Xavier Howard this weekend. The pass rush, it sounds like it's going to be AVG on one side, Ingram and Ogbo on the other side. So um, it's obviously not the same defense that um, the Bills played earlier in the season. And they put, what, 48 Dolphins can rebound. I hope they can find a way. But um, like you mentioned, Kat, uh, Josh Allen really isn't the same Josh Allen. Jake mentioned it. Um, last week he had two rushing touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions and threw for 169 yards. I think I had that right. So, I mean, I, he is – beatable and um you just got to hope that Vic Fangio figures something out I mean I think he was a little stubborn last week against the Ravens you have it like you said a similar problem in Josh Allen you got to find a way to stop him and I'm going to be completely honest I'm a little bit queasy I'm feeling like Joe Philbin getting ready to call a timeout and sending Philip Wheeler's ass back out there I'm a little queasy about this one how big of an X factor are the uh Buffalo Bills tight ends. We saw uh, Dalton Kincaid get pretty involved last week. Um, Dawson Knox seems to have always been someone to score against the Miami Dolphins. So when you look at this spread and you see how the Miami Dolphins can kind of take advantage of being road dogs, I mean, Kat, where is that X-factor matchup on the defensive side in terms of um, all three levels? Yeah, Dalton Kincaid, rookie, 66 catches this year, and they they get Knox back a couple of weeks ago as, as an additional weapon there. And it really allows them to use uh, to splinter one of them off to give some different looks. And it also allows them to, you know, give this look where they play with seven offensive linemen because you know, they've got a tight end on each side. So yeah, it certainly does give them a bigger look, but to me where, where the bills have been so dominant against the dolphins over the last couple of years is when, Josh Allen is is well protected. The field is spread open. He has room to run, um, and he's not as maybe constricted or 
I'm not sure if constricted is the right word, but he's playing more in a box now at this point in the season than maybe he has in previous seasons. So hopefully that works out to the Dolphins' favor in, in this one. To, I'm a little bit worried about Kincaid as well. Like you said, Jake, I mean, that guy, he's starting to come along. We saw him last week. I think he had a 50-plus yard catch and run. So um, he's a talented, big slot receiver. And, you know, we're talking about how depleted these corners are. I mean, who, who would you have cover him, Cat? Who do the Dolphins use to cover a Dalton Kincaid in a slot? Because, I mean, he's a big dude. And Cater Kohu matching up, you know, in the slot against him. I mean, I don't know about that one. Yeah, I mean, he'd certainly be giving up a lot of height to him. I mean, uh, what, Kincaid's 6'5", six, six, Cater Kohu, you know, significantly shorter than he is. And that's where it gets interesting, where the matchup gets fascinating, because do you, do you play Kohu in the slot? To cover Kincaid, you probably do. And then you've got Eli Apple on the outside, probably going one-on-one -on -one with Gabe Davis. Now, Davis is just as likely to get 100 yards as he is to get blanked. Uh, but against the Dolphins, he seemed to have a lot of success. Gabe Davis is the one I kind of have circled, too, because I think there's going to be like a, a game plan you could – stew up that for 80% of the game plan, um, you could probably ignore Gabe Davis. But that 20%, it's like Zay Flowers was last week. He had three receptions, over 100 yards, and a touchdown. And sometimes it's all you need to be an absolute dominant player. Uh, so, guys, just to kind of put a little bow on this here before a little break, do does it make sense the Dolphins are underdogs at home? Cat, uh, we'll start with you. On paper, no. I think it should at least be a pick em. We'll we'll wait till the end of the show to see if if I think uh, the, the Dolphins will actually win or lose. I'm I'm still going back and forth. I don't I don't know what to say to that. You're ma you're making me feel even queasier, man. But for me, I I, I do think it should be more of a pick 'em. But after the, what they did last week, right? Giving Lamar five touch. I know it's Lamar Miller, he's the MVP. But you went out there and you looked. Lamar like Miller. Not, oh, throwback. Did I say Lamar Miller? Yeah. <laughs> Two peas in a pod, right? They're basically the same player. But uh, you know what I mean. There's no reason why the Dolphins are uh, home dogs. And um, I'm intrigued to see what Cat says because I'm starting now he's starting to sway my opinion as well. Yeah, I actually came into this podcast today not entirely sure because this week there's been some dread. I haven't listened to as much football content as I'm used to. Uh, but, but that's kind of what makes it fun, right? The week 18 of we have no idea what's going to happen. We have 17 weeks of data, and it means absolutely nothing. Uh, let's take a little break here on the other side. Let's talk to a tug of Aloha and the offense, so stay tuned. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Josh, I mentioned this a little bit on the post-game pod following the Ravens game, and I, I just want to continue that conversation here, and I think this should start. For the first time in his NFL career, Tua Tungavaloa is going to start an entire NFL season. And he deserves all the credit in the world for that. The best ability is availability, and that's absolutely awesome. Cat, the floor is yours. Yeah, and I'm. What I couldn't stand before the season was it was people talking about Tua as if just don't even think about this guy completing a full NFL season. It's like how how do you expect Tua to complete a full NFL season? Well, the answer is simple: don't get thrown on your head. And what did he do in the offseason? He takes jujitsu and he doesn't get concussions this year, knock on wood. So he's going to start 
uh, every NFL game. Um, you know, there are look, people can have their opinion on Tua, but don't don't listen to the people who have two years ago said this guy can never operate in an offense where you throw the ball further than 10 yards. And then this past year said, don't even think about this guy being able to play a full season. There was a substantial amount of people who had both of those opinions. So two is going to get the money the off season, this off season. He's got to cross at least 4,500 yards this year, probably get up to about 4,700, 4,800 and 30 touchdowns on a team that's going to win 11 or 12 games. So two is getting the bag. He's got his first pro bowl. Good for him. And let's, let's, let's bring it home this weekend. Yeah, first quarterback since, what, Marino in 1995 to make the Pro Bowl. And I was going to ask both of you if you do give him the bag, because I've been a pretty big Tua stand my entire um, – well, ever since the whole tank for Tua thing. And you start watching the film and see how good he is, and you're starting to see him finally come along. And now that he put together that healthy season, you know, he's probably going to lead the league in passing yards as well. You know, he's an MVP candidate. They got the Pro Bowl now at health. I mean, he is definitely getting the bag when you look what some of these other quarterbacks are getting. So I'm glad you said that, Cat. Jake, would you pay to a time low at the end of the season based on everything we've seen, assuming we don't go out this weekend and play like we did last weekend? And even then, I think you still pay him, right? That doesn't change anything. You look around the league, he is a starting quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback, and um, I'm with Cat. Pay him the bag. What about you, Jake? I kind of wanted to be the guy to say if they go 0-3, you should have serious questions. But, I mean – I think the one thing we're all falling for late in the season is we're forgetting about how long the NFL season and how Tua was on an absolute tear for 10, 11 weeks. I, I think you pay him no questions asked. And I think the only debate people want to have is, well, it's not, but uh, you could say, hey, let, let's wait another year. Let, let's use that fifth round or the fifth year option. You pay him now. You make that thing as cheap as possible because he's one of those, I mean, they paid Tannehill, right? If, if we paid Tannehill and we felt... Mm -hmm. Okay, cool about it. There should be no questions asked about Tua. I, I think you're in a scenario here where in two years down the road and that contract's just kicking in, you're already going to be saying, I don't know, Will Levis is making more than Tua? I would not be surprised if we're shocked having that conversation because that's just how the contracts work. So I think the longer we spend you know, debating, uh, should we, shouldn't we? Well, you're just in a Christian Wilkins spot where we're in a situation wondering, all right, we should have paid him. We missed out on it. And uh, now we just got to pay even more money. No, uh, yeah, I have I have a different opinion on Christian Wilkins. I I don't think the Dolphins should should pay him. Um, and uh, and uh, I'll I'll throw out a listen, elite run defender, eight sacks this year, good for him. Um, and my opinion on Wilkins is solely within the context of him reportedly trying to reset the defensive tackle market. And I look, I'll I gladly would have given him the same contract as Zach Sable. Let's tie those two guys together here for the next uh, for the next however many years but 20 plus million I mean look he's got eight sacks this year here's a fun fact about that uh, all eight of his sacks came against teams that are drafting in the top eight in this upcoming NFL draft so you, you get into these games against the Bills Christian Wilkins has played in nine games against the Bills he has one sack and has done nothing but piss off Josh Allen and, and pave the way for him to Torch the Dolphins secondary. So, look, he's a good player, but uh, to me, not not someone I'm paying $20 million per year to. That's kind of even the point, too. Like, um, there's a huge debate to be had now about having, reset, having him reset the market, but I think we all would have, over the offseason, given him, what, like a Dexter Lawrence-level contract? Would you have been cool with that-ish? Ish. Ish. I'll, I'll, I'll stay Zach Sealer, 13 no. to $15 million. And, look, he... 
he he upped his sack numbers. He's a good player, but um, am I gonna am I gonna pay him twenty plus million dollars when I saw what he did against the Ravens and what he's done against the Bills against the pass over the last few years? No, I mean I'm 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 just I'm not gonna do it. And I I think Sealers overall even um, uh, as good or as valuable to the Dolphins as Wilkins is. And and to your point, I mean this is part of the thing when you sign to a ton of a low, right? You're not gonna be able to pay a Christian Wilkins a Jalen. I'm not going to say Jan Phillips because that would break my heart, but you know what I mean? We have a list of guys, a laundry list of players. Half the offensive line needs re-signed, you know, skill players, things in that nature. So um, if you I, – I don't want to get rid of Christian Wilkins because the guy is, but Kat, you're kind of uh, – yeah, I, I'm just, we'll just send it there. But if you sign to a time load of that big money contract, it's going to make the roster a lot different than what we see now, and I think that's why a lot of people are sitting here saying, this is the Dolphins' window, right? You got these next two, maybe three years to, to compete and, you know, utilize that – rookie deal that he has yes it's a fifth year option next year but um yeah so definitely some decisions to be made by the dolphins but i think we can all agree two time of lois inking that new deal that's probably at the top of that list the biggest reason i agree with cat is because i don't think losing christian wilkins means the bot the defense is going to bottom out but i want to ask you guys why do we think the offense bottom out last week against the baltimore ravens was not having raheem most out there that big of a deal even though devon a chan looked pretty good um, when he wasn't near defensive tackle was having jalen uh waddle out of the lineup was that a massive difference maker it looks like he's maybe on track to play people are saying he's walking without a limp uh but that's like training camp reports we have absolutely no idea what that means um so where is the cause of miami struggles on offense cat and are you confident that you only need one week to fix them no when you look at the offense and what happened last week i mean look the dolphins first drive 75 yards touchdown second drive should have been a tyreek hill touchdown and it's it's scary similar to the Bills loss earlier in the year where they come out in the first two drives and and they've got everything planned and it's ready to go and then when it's it's they get kicked in the teeth on defense everything goes off script i mean look at the other side of the ball i mean the first six drives for the ravens on offense touchdown punt touchdown 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 and then the dolphins offense is trying to overcompensate to try to get back then mistakes start to happen and you know, the major thing, the first domino that fell last week, obviously, was before the two minute warning where they inexplicably tried to to, to pull that playoff where dude, even if you get a field goal, you're probably going into halftime just down five points. And you, that's where the Dolphins have to show just so much more patience offensively as these years go on. You've got a young coach, you've got a young quarterback, and hopefully they, they show some discipline in those moments and, and are able to able to not not just c- get completely blown off the field when the defense starts to to lose out. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think, you know, as soon as the Ravens, I mean, they have very good linebackers and we know how the Dolphins like to work the middle of the field. As soon as they, you know, started taking things away there, that kind of did seem to all fall downhill. You mentioned how they come out with these scripted plays and the offense is cooking. And then when they get punched in the mouth and they have to adapt, um, it just doesn't work out. So I think that game would have went a lot different, obviously, if Tyree Kill catches that ball. Maybe, um, I don't know if you went back and looked, but I they, they should have probably called a delay a game or uh, went to the two-minute warning on that interception. It looked like it, the clock might have hit zero, but um, that, that is where that game kind of spun out of control. So I want him to go out there and continue to do what we've seen. I mean, Jake, you mentioned no Raheem Mostert last week, but Devon Achan looked like he belonged. Um, I do think he, I forget where I read, someone mentioned it in Barry Jackson in a reply, but it sounds like Raheem Mostert's going to play this weekend. So go out there, pound the rock. I think in the first game, uh, Devon Achan had a 101 yards on eight carries and two touchdowns. So get that run game going, work the play action and things like that. And um, 
just a, just don't turn the ball over, right, man? Because that's what has, you know, been that black cloud overhead for so many um, since two has been here, right? Those inexplicit throws right to the linebacker's chest, Matt Milano, whoever it is. So um, don't turn the ball over, do your game, and just don't overthink things. And I, I think they should stand a fighter's chance. And Josh, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry to cut in uh, here too. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And that that's a major part of this game compared to the last Bills game is the Bills had Matt Milano, or, or, or excuse me, had Matt Milano in that game, one of the best linebackers in the league. He went on IR the week after the Dolphins played the Bills, and Tre'Davious White went down in the fourth quarter of that game. So they're not going to have those two guys. They they did trade for Rasul Douglas, who's been fantastic for them at corner. And they've also got Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer who seemed like they've been there for the last 10 years, but yeah, that'll, that'll be fascinating. And then also Liam Eikenberg and Daquan Jones, uh, the last game, Daquan Jones destroyed Eikenberg and what I could only describe as the worst game from a Dolphins offensive lineman I've ever seen. And he hasn't been great, but he's gotten better. So there are some matchups uh, offensively for the Dolphins. I think do work a little more in their favor in this game. To go back to the the pressing, I think that might be the biggest weakness on this Miami Dolphins team is just, you know, the, they press that panic button so quickly. Do you guys feel that is a legitimate weakness or just a sign of inexperience? Um, because we can go back and like stone cold to a, you know, throwing touchdowns in championship games. I mean, McDaniels played in, in high pressure situations. Is this something you guys kind of feel is going to get a little better as they play in more of these games? They get a little more comfortable playing to the two minute warning and making sure you're not pressing something. If you're trying to, you know, play the clock like a fiddle or anything along those lines. Yeah. I, the dolphins on offense, I mean, heck they had five pro bowlers and if not for some injuries, you could have put Waddle hunt and Connor Williams on there too, for eight. I mean, you have, this is a uniquely talented group. They're also flashy. They're also a little immature. And when the game starts to slip away from them, as we saw against the Ravens, you know, Tua starts to throw the ball into the teeth of that defense. And really, they it, it seemed like they were pretty open to, to giving up everything outside of the hash marks for a while. And the Dolphins should have continued to take them up on that and slow the game down a little bit, even when it was getting out of hand. But the other side of that, too, I mean, look, you take a look at the Ra Bills and Ravens losses this year. In the first 10 drives of those games, 20 drives, 13 touchdowns, two field goals, four punts, one turnover, and 20 drives in those two games. There's no answer for that. That's that's just awful. And the offense is trying to keep up. They sputter out. They make mistakes. So the defense has to play a role in that too. I, I think it's something that will eventually come along, at least I hope. I mean, we've been talking about Mike McDaniel's clock management, you know, towards the late – that Bills game, that Bills uh, wild card game, I think is what stands out. There were times at the end of that game, I think he was smoking a vape instead of um, getting the plays in or whatever. But um, I think it'll all come together. I do. I, I'm a little bit torn on whether I, I'm okay with them having that big play because I mean, you would rather to go out there and have that as disposal. No, you know, any time I can drop back and hit Tyree Kill for a big touchdown, but you want him to kind of uh, you know use that at the right time. So I'm okay with Tua taking those chances, but there are a time and a place to do so and to rush down there before that two-minute warning. Um, like we've all said, I mean, that's where the game completely spun out of control. So just be smart. Don't Again, don't feel pressed. Who do you guys feel like the Dolphins need to really get involved in this game? 
one thing I'm going to complain about all offseason is how little they've used Braxton Barrios as a receiver. I mean, Kay, you're just talking about how they should be attacking outside the numbers more. I think Barrios on those out routes is exactly what the Miami Dolphins have been missing, especially if you have, you know, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, these guys clearing out underneath. Um, don't get me wrong, these are the out routes that turn into pick sixes uh, a lot of the time. But at the same time, I do think there are some opportunities where you have a stellar stellar quick route receiver like Braxton Barrios where you can get in a little more involved make things a little simpler for the offense at times you know I'd like to see a lot more two running back looks or even maybe three running back looks with Devon Achain um or I'm, I'm not I'm never going to pronounce his name right again uh Devon Achan being split out to receiver a little bit more because I think that you see the defense completely adjust on the all 22 when, when he does that. And what a, what a steal this, this guy has become. I mean, talk about pro bowlers. If, if this guy had played 16 games instead of 10 and really eight, because he only had one carry in two of those games, you, you might be talking about two dolphins running backs in the pro bowl or three running backs in the pro bowl. So, but I, I would like to see them split him out wide a little bit more on some of these plays and maybe get Jeff Wilson in the backfield to give you kind of a power component to go with, with his speed. Cause you know, I I've really been disappointed with, with what the dolphins have, have done here at wide receiver after Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, Cedric Wilson had the touchdown last week, but he and Tua are constantly not on the same page. Like, I don't know whose fault it is, but never on the same page. We had a near pick last week from Tua and just not on the same page. Chase Claypool, He's gone, had the dropped uh, touchdown. And then Braxton Berrios is good underneath, but but he hasn't made, made a huge dent in the passing game. And I really thought he would this year. So I'm hoping the Dolphins can implement a little bit more two running back look. Yeah, shame on you for not bringing up Robbie Chosen. I thought for sure you'd mention him. <laughs> um, I, I was with you. I was going to say HM was going to be the, the the guy that I would truly re- rely on in this one. I mean, you mentioned it. When he motions out, when he's lining up, at, I mean, the entire defense has to game plan. And he – is a very strong receiver. I, I don't know why, and Jake doesn't know why either. They've been using Jeff Wilson so much out of the backfield on those pass catching situations. I have no idea. But another name I've really seen kind of, I don't want to say, you know, show up these last few weeks, but Durham Smythe's been, you know, making a little bit of noise, right? So I could see him having a touch. I mean, I, when was the last time he scored a touch? I don't know if I can see him having a touch. I can't really picture it in my head, but you know what I mean? He's a guy that's consistently open in the middle of that field, a guy that kind of gets overlooked by the defense. So I was going to throw Durham Smythe's name out there as a, you know, a dark horse candidate that might have a touchdown might have a bigger role than what we've seen, but I love the two back look, you know, using HN more in the passing game, um, whatever it is, man, it's good. It's going to take a good game plan to win this one. Guys, I brought this up once before and, and please let me know if I'm crazy here, but um, Devon Achan, he's been dealing with the toe injury. He also has a rib injury now. And I think, I mean, he was stellar against the Ravens, 14 carries, 107 yards, 7.6 yards per carry. If you want to see any sort of weakness though, just put him next to a defensive tackle. And it seemed like he fell over every single time, which is perfectly fine. This dude's 5'9", 188 yards. But, I mean, Jeff Wilson and A-Chan combined for nine targets last week. Jeff Wilson had four of those. Uh, Devon A-Chan, I see in the last five weeks, uh, three different games where he had at least four targets. Would I be crazy to suggest that maybe with A-Chan's skill set, his frame, and everything else, the injuries he's already dealt with, is my is Mike McDaniel gonna try to turn this dude into Tyree Kill like another wide receiver? And does that is that even crazy? Because it kind of makes sense. You think about those injuries, running through the tackles, being a decent receiver, having that speed, get him in space. I don't know. Well, 
I can say this for sure that uh, over the last few weeks, there there hasn't been a pass ever thrown to Jeff Wilson that you liked. Uh, <laughs> so so, true. And uh, but you're 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 right. Um, this is a a unique chess piece here because you don't want HN carrying the ball twenty you know twenty times a game out of a deep eye formation. He's not that type of player. That'd be such a misuse of him. And the Dolphins are doing a good job of being creative with him. So I'd like to see them even expand on that. Maybe put him in the slot a little bit more, give him some handoffs from there. Uh, I, I don't think the defense would know what to do. And to take it a step further, just peering to next year a little bit, I'm interested to see if with Hill, Waddle, and Achan, if Mike McDaniel leans even a little bit further into this and maybe adds a, a wide receiver or a running back in the NFL draft to add a fourth guy, that's just blindly fast. So we'll keep our eye on that. I think of even, I might be hyping up too much, but I throw Eric Azucama in that mix, have him be that like fourth guy. And then, you know what, let's get crazy. Get Mike Evans here and that'll be your fifth. And then we'll just say there's the offense. <laughs> Is Eric Ezekom ever going to suit up again? I mean, didn't he have like a back injury or something? We just kind of like disappeared. Okay, neck. But it was something that he dealt with in college, right? Or is that was that mis misleading? I don't remember what I read about it. I thought it was an injury that he suffered in college, came back, and just sounded like doom and gloom. We haven't heard anything about him, have we? You get that? I mean, it, it's tough because there's not a lot of info about it, so you're just kind of stuck speculating. That's been the idea that it's something related to college. But man, he was someone three weeks into the season that I was super excited for. So I'm so. I'm so with you guys. I'm excited to see how they can. He was our Debo. To... He was our Debo Samuel. Oh, he, he so was. And it was so exciting to watch. At least in preseason. At least in preseason. <laughs> I didn't expect him in the first quarter of the first game to be getting run, handoffs out of the backfield. So, I, yeah, he had a neck injury uh, and he, he had some injury problems at Texas Tech, too. So, wish him the best and uh, hopefully he, he can come back and make an impact. I think we mentioned this, but Miami's rushing attack should look better than it has in, in recent, recent weeks. I think Robert Hunt's actually gearing up to play. That means hopefully with a little luck, you have what? Three of the OG starters on the offensive line with Teron Armstead, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson. Uh, Liam Eikenberg's been playing better and left guard, I think, is just going to kind of be a rotating wheel for the rest of the year. Yeah, and that's that's big. I mean, Robert Hunt's been out, what, six weeks now with a hamstring. Um, and what a huge get get back that would be this week. I mean, he's really trying to go, but that, like we talked about last week, the hamstring's different. I mean, either you can go or you can't. It's not mm -hmm. a pain tolerance thing. It's if you can't, if you don't have any fluidity down there and you can't move, you you, you can't drive. So, yeah, hopefully he comes back and and you know if if there's a positive to Hunt being out for six games, if he hadn't been out six games, he would have asked for and received a lot more money in the offseason. So that might give the Dolphins actually a fighting chance of getting him back. Not that it's a good thing. I'm not saying his injury is a good thing at all, but, you know, hey. But there's also, too, like the Dolphins, the cap space situation is going to be real tricky. I mean, getting these guys reps, you're going to have to rely on some of these guys year after year. Uh, one of the guys who I, I, I kind of wanted to go back to here as we're starting to close out here on another Dolphins podcast. I mean, I want to ask, is Cater Kohu fighting for his job right now? Uh, because after last year, we were so excited of the talent he is and undrafted free agent. It's a great story, but man, it just seems like he's completely fallen off a cliff where you kind of liked him as that physical slot cornerback, but at what level do you just kind of call someone a liability? 
Yeah, I mean, I looked at him 10, really 10 games into the season and thought, well, maybe that sophomore slump isn't actually going to happen. Um, and then I, 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 he's had a rough last few games, but I think that's all it is. I think he's a talented kid still, and he's going to be a good second or third cornerback here for, for a while on really very little money. And as of right now, I, I with Xavier Howard down, I don't see who's going to challenge him. Um, I, I, I don't know how bad Cam Smith can be to not be played over Eli Apple at this point, but I, I'm sure I'm sure it's a trust and a communication thing. But no, I think I think Kohu is going to get back on track here in the upcoming, if not this game, then then certainly into the future. Yeah, well, we we got dibbed him Darth Cater, so I'm gonna you know we're gonna plant our flag in him. I'm gonna believe that this is just a sophomore slump and he'll bounce back. But if they go out there and they have him covering Stefan Diggs again, I mean, um, then maybe uh, maybe you ha- you're onto something there, Jake, because he got cooked in that first one. I'm surprised, like, the the idea about Camp Smith, I, I know how everyone feels, but, like, I look at that Jaguars game in the preseason um, where he just got absolutely cooked on a double move, and I think about the Dolphin receivers. I'm sure Camp Smith has been practicing against double moves, and this defensive coaching staff can see um, whether he is or isn't ready to go. And, guys, it's really hard to make it onto the playing field in the NFL. I mean, Chase Claypool, Kat, you're ready to cut him. His one shot which don't get me wrong, he should have caught it, was double coverage 30 yards down the field in the end zone. That was his only one shot to make the team. So I, I think we, we kind of misunderstand sometimes how hard it is to kind of gain trust of a coaching staff and be one of the guys they can rely on. Especially in this offense, because this offense is so reliant on timing. I mean, when Tua is throwing the ball, it, it'd be Tua could throw the ball and it, it might be a miscommunication that Tua is responsible for, but if when he releases the ball, if a receiver is not going towards a certain spot, it can look like the worst pass ever too. So there's part, and, and we saw, we've seen that with, with Cedric Wilson too, you know, how just not on the same page they are. And I talked about a little earlier in the, um, in, in the show here that last week, if you look at the near interception for the Ravens last week, you, you pause it when two is throwing the ball and it looks like, okay, well, Cedric Wilson should go to this spot. Well, he didn't. Is that on two or is that on Wilson? It's hard to tell. So yeah, I, I'm not sure what to do with that. Got anything else, Josh? Are you ready to get into some game predictions? Uh, should I stall? Do you need more time to figure out who you want to pick this weekend? Or are you feeling good about it? You don't look like you're feeling I, good about it. I, I got mine written down. I want to hear Kat, though. I want to see if he can sway. Uh, he might sway me to say something I don't want to say. <laughs> you know, I think the Dolphins can win this game. Um there are a lot of things that going in their favor. Bills are not quite as explosive. The Dolphins are much better coming off a loss like this. But what it comes down to for me in this one is I think that Josh Allen will have all day to throw and Tua won't. And because of that, I'm going 27-24 Bills. Oh, I wouldn't be able to wake up the next morning. That'd be so, Oh, my God, that'd be so miserable. And let me guess, let me guess, does it end with the Jason Sanders mixed field goal to tie it? Does Tua just kind of take it like a sad sack? Like, like how would that game end? Whew, I, I don't even want to see now I'm getting jittery <laughs> about that. Uh, Durham, Welcome to hell. Durham Smythe uh, drop touchdown pass, I'm going to say. Uh, hasn't had a touchdown since the Texans game last year. Um yeah, Durham Smythe catches uh, six passes for 90 yards, but drops the game-winning touchdown. 
Oh, that's torture. <laughs> 60, 69. Nice. Um, I mean, I, it's so, oh man, I, I'm not, I can't sit here and pick the Dolphins to lose this. I mean, it's just not who I am. I mean, deep down inside though, as a fan, I mean, you can't feel confident about this, right? Can you? I mean, you suffered for years against Josh Allen and the Bills. I mean, the dude should be 12 and 0 against us. You mentioned it. They're going to be able to get pressure on Tua. Um, we might not be able to get pressure on Josh Allen. He has those legs that are just ever so dangerous. But um, again, I'm the homer, so I'm going to stick with it. We'll go 21-20 Dolphins. I'm going to say that Jason Sanders hits that game-winning field goal. But um, that's, again, just me being a homer and praying to someone above that they're listening. Are you saying the Dolphins kicked seven field goals in this game? That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> really? I, I did not do the math. I, I just uh, I just thought 21-20 sounded great. So could, it could be, right? It's possible. We've, we've been there before. They score two touchdowns. They get the two-point conversion twice. Josh Allen runs through the back of the end zone for a safety late. I was just going to say, Sperano. I said someone looking down on us. Sperano's looking down on us, fist pumping every single one of them. Okay, yep, speaking into existence, 21-20. Um, there, had to, there could be a touchdown there somewhere. No, I, I don't know. So I, I think it's really weird that uh, after the Titans lost, everybody was really upset that the Chiefs beat the Bills. And everyone was like, we should have rooted harder. Because if we rooted harder, the Bills would have, or the, the Chiefs would have won, and we'd feel better about that, and we'd already have the division clinched. The thing is, we can't, scared money doesn't make money. We can't kind of hope that the Dolphins, everything's going to fall right for them. They have to go out and take it eventually. And I mean, this is a Bills team. We know that they've lost to some pretty bad teams, the Patriots, the Jets, the Broncos. There's a reason why they have two guys in the Pro Bowl. It's not because they're not talented. It's because no matter the day, it's a wild card. You don't know if Charlie's going to cut the brakes or not. You don't know where that uh, minivan's going to drop off. That's why I like the Dolphins. Just because of what happened last week, for how annoyed they are, yeah, how great of an analysis that is. These guys are mad, so they're going to go out and win. But I think the Dolphins are at a certain level of pissed off. Where we go back to like that Philly game. Oh, no, we have to face Philly after they're coming off a loss. They're really pissed off. I think there's something to that. I think this Bills team is about as confident as they can be. Four straight wins. They are about as, as inconsistent as a football team you're going to find. That's why I like the Dolphins. And God, man, for once in our lives, can we see the Bills season just unravel? I've never seen it. I didn't get to see four straight Super Bowl losses. I didn't get to fire off tweets after that. For once, can we see the Dolphins go out Maybe it's another big Raheem Mostert game, the revenge for last year. Just come out, run the football, control the clock. Don't force it and, and just kind of walk through a game, maybe 24 to 10, where you just have Josh Allen not having answers. You force him to run the ball 17 times. I don't know, man. I have been dreading this game all week. Queasy as all hell. But, I mean, as a Dolphins fan, if the Dolphins were the Bills right now, they've hyped up their fans everybody's as happy as they can be. Josh Allen's MVP. That's usually, at least for Dolphin fans, when they get slapped right in the face. And that's what I'm hoping happens Sunday night. I'll, I'll say this, though, too. Uh, I'll go back 20 years ago now, because I, I don't know how, how you guys, I'm, I'm sure I'm older than you guys are, but at least, I, Josh, like you said earlier in the show, at least if this is, this is a situation where if the Dolphins were to lose, it would be, yeah, it would suck at everything. But it's not a situation like in years past where they're not in the playoffs, so they don't get another crack at it. I mean, I remember back in, in 2002 where the Dolphins, it was the year Ricky Williams led the league in rushing. And it, Ray Lucas came in and went 0-4. And uh, Jay Fiedler had his 
only really good season as a quarterback. And, you know, they're the AFC was terrible that year. They were playing the Patriots in the final week. The Dolphins were up 24 to 13 with two minutes left in the game. If they win, they win the division and they're the number two seed. They lose, they're out of the playoffs and they blew an 11 point lead in the final two minutes. So I'm ready for this. Okay. I'm battle tested. All right. And do I think they're going to win if I had to pick? No, but uh, I, I think they very easily could. That reminds me of the pleasant year 2013 when the Dolphins needed to either beat the Bills or Jets to make the playoffs. I think the Bills shut them out 19 to nothing. And then, uh, God, man, that Jets game, I think Geno Smith scored a rushing touchdown in the second quarter. I think Dolphins in the second half was turnover and downs, interception, 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 turnover and downs to end the season. I mean, and we gave that guy a contract extension. That right there, I mean, God, like, like two has struggled at times, man, but, but. 2013, it was even worse than that because uh, not only did they lose to the Bills 19 to nothing, they could have made the playoffs. They lost to the Jets 20 to seven when they were heavy favorites. But going on at the same time, it was like the Ravens and the Chargers both had to win or lose. And both of those things clearly were going to happen. And the Dolphins just needed to win against the hapless Jets. First drive of the game, Mike Wallace scores a touchdown and then they don't score a point the rest of the game. So listen, we're we're Dolphins fans. We're battle tested for this stuff here. So, uh, you know what? I nah, I can't switch my prediction. But I'm really go kidding. back on it. You yeah, come on. All right, all right, fine. Twenty-seven, twenty-four Dolphins. Let's go. Let's go. We're... Even if the Dolphins lose this game, would you feel more confident than you um, going into the playoffs than you have in recent playoff runs? "Quote unquote" recent, like two thousand eight, snot kicked out of you in round one. Twenty sixteen. Snot kicked out of you in round one. 2022, not too bad. So so do you guys feel more like that 2022, even if it's a loss, or do you kind of feel like they might be headed towards that uh, brick wall in the first round of the playoffs if they have to hit the road? No, I think that's what's frustrating about it. I mean, you look at, they've got six Pro Bowlers, Tua, Mostert, Ingold, Tyreek Hill, Armstead, and Ramsey. They have six more that would have been in or close to it, if not for injuries, which are HN, Waddle, Hunt, Connor Williams, Phillips, and Holland. And then haven't even brought up Zach Sealer, nine and a half sacks, Christian Wilkins, eight sacks, Bradley Chubb, 11 sacks, and six forced fumbles. Andrew Van Ginkle is sixth as edge rusher from for PFF. Uh, David Long is the number one run defender graded by PFF. That's 17 players on this roster that 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 starts 22 players a lot of those guys are hurt now but this is still in a uniquely talented team heading into the playoffs and that's why it's so frustrating to to have watched some of these losses this year josh you got something to add to that i i was just gonna say i'm with cat i feel like um the dolphins can do this and i feel like if they go on the road they'd be playing who the chiefs right and i think tyree kill really wanted that uh um throwing up the peace sign at arrowhead so um i'm feeling pretty confident going into the playoffs regardless of what happens. But if we go out there and get blown up, you know, like we did against the Ravens, then I might feel a lot differently heading into that one. But we're not going to think about that because, like we all said, we're going to beat the Buffalo Bills, win the AFC East, and they're all going to be up there in uh, Orchard Park crying their eyes out. For the last time of the 2023 football regular season, thank you all so much for listening to another Dolphins podcast. We've had a blast. I hope you guys have had too. We will be back early in the week with a recap of this game. But until then, 